Oh, did I audit? Oh, did I audit that? <laughs> ba, did da, ba, da, bang, da, bang, diggy, diggy, diggy. Diggy said the boogie said up, jump the audit. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Ah, Did I Audit That? A thorough investigation into Netflix's hit 2020 reality TV game show, Floor is Lava. I'm Michael Resnick and with me is my co-host and friend, Andrew Fernandez. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm good. I'm excited to hit uh, episode two. Yes? Yeah, you don't regret this entire enterprise? I don't. I think it's uh, it's a good way to kill time. I think it's uh, fun and uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's make some jokes. I like uh, I like that attitude. More importantly, let's tear these teams apart. Yeah, were we too nasty last time? I thought I wondered that as I was editing the episode. Are we auditing? Ah, oh, did I audit that? Yes, maybe that's what we do at the top. Can we rate the last episode? I felt good about it. I think you cut out a lot of my. <laughs> so I'm glad you did. They're not going to know what you're doing when I cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. All right, if you haven't seen Floor is Lava and you're somehow tuning into the second episode of this podcast, um, Floor is Lava is about contestants competing to get to the end of an obstacle course without touching the ground. It's hosted by Rutledge Wood. Andrew, do you want to hear two more anagrams for Rutledge Wood? We're doing this every... Hell yeah. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) One is Deer Wood Glut. Okay. Real quick, tell me what spellings of deer and wood? Let's see, Deer Wood Glut. I would say... Deer, like the animal, right? Yes, ding, ding, ding. And glut? Glut, no, glut is glut. Which form of wood? (laughs) Oh, like a tree. (laughs) (laughs) And the second anagram is odd rouge welt. Oh, I like that. Odd, yeah. Kind of messed up. But all of the words trigger, like, an interesting association. It's a good anagram. It's uh, provocative. Yeah. Now, in a minute, we are going to do a deep dive into episode two of Flora's Lava. We are going to get into the location. We'll re-rank the teams and determine our own winner. But first, I thought we'd play our own quick game. Um, do you want to play a game, Andrew? Sure. What's the game? Volcano or Norwegian metal band? Oh, okay. I like this a lot. I'm going to ask you some questions to see if I'm you know. I'm going to answer some questions and I'll, you'll know if I know. The difference between metal bands and volcanoes. (laughs) Volcano or Norwegian metal band? Okay, the first option is called Infernus. Metal band. Metal band. Ding, ding, ding. Great. That is... Is Does that mean right answer? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I wish it didn't. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be cool if you were playing against somebody. What should the prize be? How about um, if you get... Four of these, right? I'll bring you some cookies at some point in the next two days. Okay. And if not, eh, you don't get cookies. (laughs) Or you have to come over to get them. All right. All right, number two. Karimsky. Karimsky. I'm going to say volcano. You got it right. That is an active (laughs) stratovolcano in Kamachatka, (laughs) Russia. Um, I could be pronoun- I'm butchering some of these names, and I apologize. All right, let's go to number three. Okay. Bezzy Miani. Bezzy Miani. Can I get that in a sentence? No. <laughs> Metal band. 
Ding, ding, ding. You got it wrong. <laughs> Besimiani is an active stratovolcano in the same region of Russia, Kamchatka. Kam- Kamchatka, I think. Or Kamchatka, I believe. Interesting. So you've got two right, one wrong. You need two more right to get cookies that I'm going to deliver to your house at some point. Okay. Number four. Number four. Mirkskog. <sighs> Gonna say volcano. Ding, ding, ding. You got it wrong. That is a, (laughs) you're truly confused by the sounds now. That is a Norwegian (laughs) death metal band. All right. Two and two. So you need to get the last two right. Uh, I'll still make cookies and you can come get them from my house. Wait, am I two and two or three and one? I'm almost positive you're two and two because you got the last one wrong. You got the last two wrong. And I think you got the first two right. Okay, great. Um, I could have it. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> the games don't. The games don't matter on this show. Number five, volcano or Norwegian death metal band. Uh, they might not all be death metal. I don't know my metal that well. Black metal, I imagine. Volcano or Norwegian metal band. Galoon Gung. Volcano. And that's right. That Yay! is a volcano in West Java, <laughs> Indonesia. <laughs> I think you are three and. Two. Great. So this is for all the cookies. Amon Amarth. Amon Amarth. Well, in Norwegian, that means death metal. I'm going to go with band. <laughs> you got it right. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> because that is both a Swedish melodic death metal band. Uh, so we'll go with, I know Sweden's not Norway, but it's still going to work. It's a Swedish melodic death metal band and the name of a volcano in Tolkien's Middle Earth. <laughs> oh, how about that? Yeah, we'll just pretend the game was volcano or metal band. Okay. Yeah, because I messed that up. Yeah, good job, dude. I'll bring you cookies at some point. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, let's get into the meat of this podcast. Let's do it. Where we talk about the location for this episode and we re-rank all the teams according to the categories that we figured out last week. Let's hear those categories again really quickly. Let's do it. What are they? Spit them. They are mieux acting, mieux teamwork, mieux style, mieux je ne sais quoi, mieux height, mieux that smarts, mieux are they having fun out there. Those are the categories. Okay, let me ask you this. So... How hard are we sticking to the rules and the fairness and all this? If we think of a new category that's fun, do we implement it? Do we have to rate every team in previous episodes every time we do that? Like, is it a hard no on any more categories? If we keep adding categories, it's going to get completely out of control. We'd have to go back to previous episodes and re-rank those teams to those categories to keep it consistent and make sure we're covered by game show laws and all that. So I think let's definitely do it 100%. You can add any categories you want at any time, and we'll go back and re-rank all the other teams according to those categories. <laughs> so the location for this episode is Bedroom. Bedroom. Out of the gate, Rutledge Wood comes in and says, three teams will attempt to cross the hottest room in the house, the bedroom. And that was a saucy sex joke out of the gate. Yeah, I think it just speaks to how well you and I are doing as hosts, because they are taking our notes. Last episode, we said that uh, Rutger Howard went too blue too late. There are more jokes in this episode. I think their teams all have varying height. They're more inclusive, which I like. Yes, even though they dropped all the episodes at once, it seems like Netflix reshot the second episode after our podcast came out. Even the bubbling, the bubbling of the lava is like, 
more interesting. There's more yellow and orange and it's like explosive. So the location is a bedroom. There are drapes to the right that you can swing across. This path leads to armchairs and then a very cheap looking vanity with a mirror you can knock down. Then there's a chandelier you can't reach, but a rope on the other side of the room will lower it, turning it into a sort of pendulum that then leads to a table and a crate and then the exit. There's also a spinning bed if you go to the left out of the entrance. Let me address the rope real fast because I don't yeah. I think that's one note that I don't think that they took. So let me reiterate that for before they reshoot episode three. Okay, what's up with the rope? What practical purpose would it actually serve in the room? Do people have that? Do people have a chandelier with a rope that goes across to the furnace? I guess you're not into autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> um Last week, there was a canvas that was a painting of a bridge that you could use as a bridge. And this week, they had the same thing placed in the middle of the course, but it was a picture of Rutledge Wood just, like, splayed out on a couch. There's also that giant rock in the bedroom. I think there's probably one, only one person in the world with a rock in their bedroom, and that's Dwayne Johnson's wife. <laughs> <laughs> Is he married? Probably. He's a hunk. All right, let's jump into the first team's run. Well, we meet these three gentlemen in the green screen testimonial, and it is Josen, Alec, and Ian. They came out with some kind of matching style and a bit of a vibe. I was I was on board. They all had headbands. Um, Ian was rocking a white tie-dye shirt. This gets some style points. The bandana boys, right? Oh, were they wearing bandanas as head? Were their headbands bandanas? I don't know. I was just calling them bandana boys. You know, they're buds. They play tennis together. They say they play doubles, the three of them. How does that work? So they're the tennis trio, and they play doubles. That definitely stuck out to me because it means they had to sever a friendship to get on this show, which is devastating. Sure. Out of the gate, Alex seemed to immediately try to downplay the tennis thing. This really made me laugh. He's like, we're more than this. We've been to each other's homes. We know each other's families. We're good friends. We just happen to play tennis, guys. Um, which I found great. He was like upset with the producers and then they yeah. kept it in the show. Yeah. Well, this is why you're a cast. You're going to be the tennis trio. They said Ian is an NCAA champion in gymnastics. That seems like a very useful skill. And we learn nothing about the others except that Alex is tall and Josen is kind of short. Their entire identity is tennis. They want to go to Wimbledon if they win the $10,000. And they also win a lava lamp if they win. I don't know if we mentioned that last time. Yeah, $29 lava lamp. In the intro to this episode, they showed a slow motion clip of Shadi and the twins winning the lava lamp from last episode and them just looking in awe at the presentation <laughs> of the lamp. And it was great to see them again. I appreciated it. Yeah, I miss those guys. I think that Shadi and Talia's acting, they stepped it up a little bit since our first episode. All right. Anything else to say about the testimonial? Let's just get into their run. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Out of the gate, Rutledge would cues them up like every other team to say, floor is lava. And Josen was really into it. And he seemed, I mean, points for acting or just general enthusiasm. Maybe, yeah, are they having fun out there? I thought he was, he was getting me excited to be watching the episode. Uh, yeah, and I think out of the gate, these guys were giving us what we wanted. We're watching adults play a kid's game and they seemed like genuinely excited to run the obstacle course. Absolutely. 
Ian goes right across the drapes wall and slams his back into a part of the protruding wall. But I assume, again, this stuff all has to be soft because that would hurt so much. I, I mean, ow my balls. He did pick up a little speed on that. <laughs> if anybody doesn't know, ow my balls is the show from Idiocracy where people just got <laughs> hit, hit in the balls and it was a commentary on the future that this would be the most entertaining show. So that's what I'm referencing when I say... Ow, my balls. Michael, that did not need context. <laughs> so Ian's like in position after he takes the uh, curtain across. They're like, hey, can you send it back? No, it only goes one way. And then next up, I think is Alec, right? Yes, Alec goes to the spinning bed. Oh, God, that was that was infuriating to me. <laughs> what? It is. Yes, it's spinning. It's a spinning bed. Fine. Uh, but it is a big bed. And they're like, ooh, they're going to get dizzy if they stay on it too long. Blah, blah, blah. This seemed like such a struggle for Alec. Took him a while to get oriented. You, you, what you want to do is just position yourself. He was panicked, and I, I, I wanted to dunk him. I wanted to dunk him. I wanted to dunk him. I want. I wanted to dunk him. I thought he was tall and adorable, and he made a leaping jump. It was anticlimactic because it did seem very easy for him to get to the bed. He doesn't stay on there long. He does seem to be getting woozy. And then he goes to the ottoman. Instead of taking the course around the left to the fireplace and the rope, he takes, uh, he jumps onto the ottoman in the middle of the room. So then Josen hops on the bed. I thought it was really funny. He, he's about to go and then a bedpost swings by him kind of right when he's about to jump. And he looks over at his friends like, oh, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. And I thought it, <laughs> I thought it was really cute. And then he does get onto the bed. Like at one point, Josen early on, uh, he says that was hot. He's like, ooh, that was hot. Do you think that they warm up whatever this liquid is, the lava, so that it is warmer than it should be? I think they warm it up, but I don't think it's hot where you would ever go, ow. I, I think throughout there, it, those lines didn't feel like wild lines, like they were recorded after. It felt like, oh, this these feel like actually in the moment. So again, kudos, producer, for listening. All right, let's just blaze through the rest of their run. Ian, who goes around the drapes, he's going to meet up with Alex on the ottoman, and there's a very cute um, positive teamwork moment where uh, Alex kind of opens up his body and gets on one knee and gets ready to brace his buddy. And, and he says, like, come on, I'll grab you. And then he jumps and he supports him, and that was a lot of teamwork. Hmm. I didn't even note that. That's how I felt about it. I didn't even note it. You were burned on this team quick. So Josen finally hops onto a little table off of the bed and he's going to go the route of the fireplace. Every time a player for the rest of the episode got to this one part of the course, they would nail them with lava. And it was going from this little table to the chest. Right. And I really want to know, who do you think is controlling that button? What, is, what a job. <laughs> I was into it. Do you think it's the Koch brothers? Uh, yes. They control everything, including that one, that one spurt of lava. Or do you think it's George Soros? I think it is some production assistant. Uh, uh, which production assistant here has the strongest lungs? I do, sir. <laughs> and then the production assistant on a giant tube you'd use for siphoning gas takes a deep breath, and every time someone's about to cross that one little spot, it blows, and then it blows bubbles, and there's the explosion. I think that's how it works. Occam's razor. Bless you. <laughs> All right, so Alec has gotten onto the vanity and lowered it, but they haven't lowered the chandelier yet, so he decides to go back the other way for some reason. They're all yelling advice at each other. Um, 
Alec is kind of just walking across the whole course from object to object because he is so tall and the, the course is just like nothing to him. Chosen gets splashed and then he jumps onto the rock, right? And then he goes onto the fireplace. He's going for that rope. Yeah, I think the fireplace, whatever they did, seemed way harder than the bug wall from the first one. Their top half was pushed more back away from the wall. They had to like reach for the their foothold. So he gets to the rope and pulls it, right? And he drops the chandelier. And now- I think we should also talk about, and I know, Alex, your bud. That's about to turn. When Josen was making his way to the rope and then Alec comes bounding in, crowding him on this wall. This is it. This is where the turn comes. <laughs> and then Alec comes in, he's crowding him on the bug wall and Josen's just trying to get to the, the rope. And yeah, I took issue with that. Alec just had this nervous energy, and because he was so tall and it was so easy for him, I think he's just prancing around, not using his brain that much. He ends up crowding Josen out and kind of almost like they hired uh, a challenger to make it harder for them to complete the course. And so now Josen has only one option, and it's to go onto a very, very slick table. The table's not that far. He makes a little hop onto it, but because it's so wet with the lava that's been bubbling up, his momentum slides him off it, and it's a very brutal death. Just eats it hard. And then not but a second later... And this was maybe one of my favorite moments of the episode. Alec goes, and he's so tall, so this is very easy for him. He goes to step from the fireplace to the same little table that Josen just died on, and it is within his foot's reach. And like Charlie Chaplin or Buster Keaton or something, (laughs) he kind of takes his eye off the ball for a second and looks away just at the moment he decides to make the hop and his foot just misses. <laughs> he just misses the table. And it, it was very slapstick the way he died. And I loved it. And I laughed. <laughs> the slow-mo of his immediate reach after Josen had just eaten it. He's reaching his leg out while he's turning around to grab the mantle. <laughs> he took his eye off the ball. But his lower body is moving forward while the top half was retreating. At this point, look at us switching sides. There was a moment that I really liked with Alec. His reaction to Josen falling was completely blown past on the run. So you see Josen fall, and then you immediately see Alec fall. And I thought from editing, I'm like, that was good. That was good what you guys just did. You you made him look like a dummy, and he deserved to look like a dummy from the bed thing earlier. <laughs> that was great. I did not see that. No, it was good. It was it was genuinely good. I And I, I'm giving Alec a hard time. I do like Alec. He's fine. But he's made some dumb choices by not making choices. So Ian seems very disappointed (laughs) in his friends. They died very fast. It happened really quickly. He doesn't really react. He says, no, like he just kind of remembered at the last second that he was supposed to. And then he just turns into an absolute gymnast of the highest quality. He um, swings on the lowered chandelier. It's a pendulum, kicks one thing to get momentum going the other way. And then as he bounces back, he steps on the table. So and then he grabs the bridge that's in the middle of the course, uses good upper body strength, takes that to get to the chest and then makes like a huge leap to the exit and just kind of crushes it and gets his team point by himself. Yeah, as expected. Here's the thing. If you're an NCAA gymnast, you've dedicated your life to this. You have a passion for the sport. I feel like in his adult life, I worry about Ian's passion. Can he still care as he once did about being a gymnast? The answer is no. (laughs) I also think that, you know, if these guys are doing the show, clearly they know 
who Rutger Hauer is. And I would say this team's pick would be Nighthawks for the favorite Rutger Hauer movie. These guys are still on, boys. All right, you want to rank the tennis trio? Let's do this. Transitional stinger. Ooh, an introspective <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, right? All right, what would you give the tennis trio on acting? Let me think about this. I like how you asked me a question that immediately don't want me to answer. <laughs> I just want to tell you what I'm going to be doing as you're talking about it. I'm going to be not listening to you sure. thinking. <laughs> acting. Okay, I don't think their acting was that great. They didn't have a huge opportunity. You said you saw a replay of one of their reactions later in the episode? Alec had a big reaction that they cut out for comedic timing of him immediately dying himself. And I thought it was fantastic. And for that alone, I might give them an eight for acting. I think that they were genuinely being themselves. I think that goes down to are they having fun out there? But you know what? These categories are ridiculous. So I am trying to separate the two. I thought the reaction by Ian to the deaths was poor. So I'm going to have to mark him down. I'm going to go six. And I can't really judge the other reaction because I didn't remember it. I said eight. I'm going to go with seven because as great as Alex's reaction was, I think that when the mirror came down towards the top, it felt to me like the producers told them, hey, knock down that thing. And I think this is the only time in out of the three of this episode that I got a feeling of like, oh, they're like directing them. Wow. And so them not being able to play that it was a genuine, in my opinion, uh, a genuine discovery that they should knock that thing down was why I'm knocking them down from an eight to a seven like it's a vanity mirror. Oh, man. Shots fired. If anybody has a shots fired soundbite they want to send in, send that to odd did I audit that at gmail.com. What do you give the tennis trio for teamwork? I thought that they relied on Ian too much. And at the end of the day, when it counted um, that the last guy by himself had to get across, I think for teamwork, I'm going to give them a five. For teamwork, I thought Alec cornering Josen on the fireplace and making him nervous and fall off and them severing their connections with their fourth, the foursome that is in their double partners. <laughs> It means teamwork means nothing to them, and they get a f- one. It's not that I am agreeing with you, but you've pointed out things that I did not consider. So I will knock mine down, much like a vanity mirror, to four. Okay, but you disagree with the things I was saying. Let's move on to style. They <laughs> they had something going on. They had something going on together. They were they were rocking something. They were rocking something. Just the taste of the Veerzy triplets with the American flag uh, headband bandanas. Yes. I'm not sure if I really enjoyed that. They had a blue thing going on with their shirts, kind of. All three wearing wristbands and headbands. For this style category, a lot of these teams are dressed vaguely similar, so we really got a pull. And this team's got something matching. Ian's wearing a tie-dye shirt that looks like the sky. Oh, right. I did like that. I'll give him a three. Oh. Ian looks very in shape. He's a gymnast. Is it mean to think that a gymnast would be uh, have stockier limbs? He looks pretty strong to me. I'm looking at a photo of them right now. Uh, he's got pretty strong arms, and he's out of the game. He was a college champion. Gym, gymnast is a young man's sport. Yeah. Maybe he did things that involved more flexibility. Gymnast is a young man's sport. 
So you gave them a very low score for style. I think you said three. I strong disagree. I'm going nine. Oh, are you doing that to countermine? When we look at the, uh, the next teams, this team actually had something going on. You know what? They were matching, but still different. Like they all had headbands that had a theme. They had wristbands that had a theme. Yeah, but the effort only goes that far. It's more than a lot of teams. And, you know, we're all going into these ratings with our own philosophies, but I guess I grade on a certain scale, which is just compared to everybody else. And they're playing floor as lava, so they're all dressing in kind of workout attire, something that could get wet. Sure. And you got to do what you can within those limitations. That two of them are a little matchy-matchy, and the third isn't, again, speaking to teamwork. I think that's why I'm sticking to my three. Stick to it. This podcast needs a bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And also, how much fun would it have been if they were all in, like, white shorts and white polos, like tennis players? Like, it's still functional. It's, It's what they do. Their shtick, outside of knowing each other's families, is tennis. They do work out in that stuff. Why not? You know, you get red dye all over it. Missed opportunity, three. Hold everybody to a higher standard, sure. Okay, je ne sais quoi. I think you don't really say je ne. Do you say more like je ne sais, je ne sais? Je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. I feel like people say je ne sais quoi. No, that's not French. I'm looking it up. Je ne sais quoi. I think they don't really pronounce the ne, they combine it. Je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. So the whole first episode, we've been wrong. Apologies goes to the corrections department, as uh, Doug Benson would say. I feel like you're trying to make me wrong because you say je ne sais pas so much. <laughs> and you're trying to save face, be like, you know what? Yes, I was wrong, but we were wrong. So we're <laughs> level again and everything's fair. Je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. Je ne, uh-huh. je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. So je ne sais pas, I don't know, is also je ne sais pas. Je ne sais pas. That, that I get. Je ne sais quoi. No, je ne sais quoi. How do you pronounce the part of Los Angeles that's east of Hollywood before Echo Park? Are we talking about Los Feliz, which I grew up saying Los Feliz, but it's pronounced Los Feliz. Los Feliz. Well, your infinitely wise Google Google Maps says Los Feliz. So really, if you're relying on Google, turn left on Los Feliz Boulevard. Let's see what Google Translate says, though, not Google Maps, for Los Feliz. Los Feliz. Los Feliz. But you're taking away the context of it as a town, which I think is important. Google Maps clearly doesn't have a foreign language pronunciation function, even though I guess it should. It's just that's an interesting question. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a programmer. So je ne sais quoi is like that because it's phonetically it speaks to to what it is or that it that it isn't because it has that rhythm to it so when you're referring to je ne sais quoi as that je ne sais quoi of je ne sais quoi excuse me the je ne sais quoi of je ne sais quoi that's why it should be pronounced that way you ga- you are a gaslighting <laughs> what kind of walk are you going on no, to try to convince sense. me that you're pronouncing it correctly? It makes sense. <laughs> Listeners, weigh in. Uh, Transitional stinger. Oh, my God. Audience, <laughs> we talked about Los Feliz for another 15 minutes. Um, so wherever you saw a random edit, now we're back. Here's my concern, is that... 
Like, you can't give someone like Paul Newman one to ten Krakatoas on how he would. I thought you were going to forget about the actor part I of this know, podcast. I know, you wanted me to, huh? No, I think Paul Newman would have fun. Wait, we didn't even give scores for Je ne Oh, my God. Look at his career. If you look at, yes, he's done serious roles, but he's always, he's always cool about it. He's we cool and Luke. He's the hustler. <laughs> but he still does movies like Cars. I think for acting, he would get an 11 crack toes. Teamwork and style. Yeah, and even speaking to teamwork. You know what I mean? Even as like the lone wolf, not to spoil the second team. Oh my God, make it quicker, make it quicker. <laughs> the, the lone wolf, he was a lone wolf in Cool Hand Luke, but he still play, had scenes with, a prison, with an entire chain gang, and he did them well. Teamwork, I give him a eight. And doesn't he give all the money from Newman's own to charity? He does, which... That's teamwork. That's teamwork. That's worldly teamwork. I'm, get, I'm bumping him up. He gets a nine. You writing this down? You know I'm not writing this down. <laughs> <laughs> For style, he's, he's a champ. 10 out of 14, crack toes. Give those blue eyes in a million. His, oh, his, his eyes. His piercing blue eyes. Oh, should we make eyes a category? <laughs> yeah, let's make eyes a category. <laughs> what do you rate Shadi and the Twins? I think I got to give him a six for six eyes. <laughs> Talia had interesting eyes. They were like small, but also like kind of wide. She played with her eyes open, even though she never saw the death coming. Shot in the twins, I'm giving a six for eyes. Joe Rogan twi- triplets. I mean, they all had the same eyes, but they weren't that impressive. I'm giving them a four. And then the bastards. I was fine with their eyes. I'll give them a seven. I'll amend my eye scores. You know, I don't feel comfortable. I can't remember that well. I'm going six across the board, and I will reassess. For Je ne sais quoi, tennis trio. To rate Je ne sais quoi, I'm going to go back to Alex's answer at the opening testimonial, which was him downplaying that they are tennis players and that there is more to them. Because of that allure, I'm going to rate them an eight for Je ne sais quoi, because I don't know what... Oh, interesting. Can't put my finger on it, but there is more depth to them, and they wanted to show it, and I'd like to know about it. Cool. I feel like Ian has the most interesting story because the other two wouldn't give us anything. I'm going to give them a five for je ne sais quoi. Your tough score. Uh, Paul Newman. God, 14. (laughs) Yeah, strong je ne sais quoi. (laughs) Moving on to the height, Alec, tall, Ian... Not particularly tall, but a good gymnast, which is like qualifies as tall. Marked down a little bit for Joe's in. Didn't really affect him too much on the course. I'm giving them a seven in height. I'll agree with that. I think that the strengths that some had that others didn't, you know, it all worked together. Moving to that smarts. Mia that smarts. Mia we think means best. We're probably wrong about that. We're probably pronouncing it wrong. Mia that smarts. Best intelligence. I, don't, I feel like Paul Newman is not as tall as, or was not as tall as he read in his acting. So I think that I'm going to give him 11. Yeah, I'm going to give him a 10. Paul Newman gets a 10 for height. Yeah. For that smarts, judging the intelligence of this team, <laughs> they talked, they used the bridge. It, it was not intelligent for them to get crowded at the corner of the fireplace. There's no reason for two people to be over there. So they get marked down for that. I give them a six. The crowding led to the floundering, led to two deaths, and only 1.1. Uh, I'm going to give them a four <laughs> for smarts. 
Paul Newman just made all the right choices. He gets a nine. He did die, though. Rest in power. That was actually one of my earlier goals. Like, when I wanted to get into writing and directing and yada, 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 I'm like, God, like, as a little kid, fucking Paul Newman and Cool Hand Luke is just the best. The Hustler. I actually haven't seen Hustler yet. For as much as I wanted to work with this guy, I'd never seen one of his movies. But when he learns of his mother's passing and he's on the top bunk at the end of the night and he sings Plastic Jesus, I don't care if it rains or freezes as long as I got a plastic Jesus sitting on the dashboard of my car. All right, all right. We want this to be able to go up on the internet. (laughs) No, but I thought he was great. What was this for? Smarts? Height? No. <laughs> what was this for? That smarts, I think. I was genuinely bummed when he passed. So I'm like, oh, that's like a career goal that I'll never be able to achieve. Unless they do some like CGI bullshit like they're doing with James Dean for that movie. Mew, are they having fun out there? <laughs> Josen having a ton of fun out there. Came out of the gate super excited the whole time. <laughs> They all seem to really be having fun out there. Alec, maybe the most nervous. I'm not sure. It's pretty nerve-wracking. I'm going to give them a solid seven. I'm going to go with seven as well. I thought that Chosen genuinely was having a lot of fun. Alec was really trying to be a follower and just wasn't hitting his mark. And then Ian, he was having a fine time if the others were having fun. (laughs) You know, I'm marking them down for smarts because as Alec was wandering the course, it was without direction and with, without purpose. I'm going to meet you at a four. Okay, great. Going to eyes. Paul Newman, he wouldn't do it quickly, but I think he would enjoy himself at his own cool pace. I'm going to give him an eight for are they having fun out there? For eyes, I have no clue what their eyes are like. I'm giving them sixes across the board, so this category becomes meaningless for me. Sixes across the board. I can picture Ian's eyes. Yeah, I'll get him a seven. I think he won that for the team. <laughs> oh, wait, I have a photo of them. Uh, all of their eyes are closed. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Because of that, I'm bumping it down to a five. <laughs> because the screenshot I took had their eyes closed. <laughs> we got rules here on Aw, oh, did I out of that. Okay, let's move on to the next team. Teachers from Northern California, that's Ray, Lindsay, and Robbie. In the testimonial, they say they are teachers of eighth grade students. Robbie and Ray say they are the most popular teachers, and Lindsay is the one all the kids don't want to get because she's strict. And, uh, I don't know, she seems devastated by that (laughs) call-out. Oh, they heard about it later, I'm sure. They, like everybody in the world, seems terrified of eighth graders. If Bo Burnham has taught us anything, eighth grade can be a troubling time. <laughs> uh, it was a good movie. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I think I watched it on a plane. and was just crying my eyes out. Robbie says, I'm a lone wolf in life. I'm independent. I depend on myself a lot. Which <laughs> is like red flag, red flag, red flag. <laughs> but also, it, they seem to be foreshadowing a lot what might come later in the episode. He also howls which I thought was an interesting choice. Him saying Lone Wolf is, I don't know if that was his line or the producer's, but they're setting up Rutger Hauer for uh, making Lone Wolf comments however he's going to run this race. Yes, uh, dear Woodglut. Dear Woodglut, (laughs) it's been so long since you've written. (laughs) I've grown weak with lava 
<laughs> okay, let's get into the run. Lindsay goes straight to the bed. She seems very shaky at first, but then she just hops on it like a frog and it was awesome. Lindsay was crushing it throughout. She delegated those two knuckles to where she thought they should go. She was a good leader. She was really acting like a teacher, like in control of the classroom, but in a way that would give me confidence and want to be working with her. Robbie, I thought, brought that YOLO life, which he calls out at one point. YOLO has 48 meanings to him, like snow to the Inuit. (laughs) True. Ray, mm, Ray was the alec of this one. Wow. So Ray takes the curtain over to the to the walkway. He makes his way down to the two black chairs. Lindsay is crushing it. She navigates the bed. She gets onto the ottoman. And then she gets onto the vanity. Again, uh, up in the production value. Did you notice anything on the vanity there, Michael? On the vanity, there's like a sad plastic plate and cup that looks like a whiskey glass. It looks like someone just ate a TV dinner in their bathroom in front of the mirror. And it was quite a little scene they painted with it. Lindsay gets onto the vanity, and then Ray, in his infinite need for help, because baby can't do anything ever, I'm going to need somebody to hold my hand. Of course you do, Ray. <laughs> of course oh my you God. do. And so then Lindsay does just that to help him on to the vanity, and then... I like Whatever. how you put it that way, and what I would give, I would give him teamwork points for trying to involve his team and make it as safe as possible. There's lava bubbling up on stuff. I'm gonna hard disagree with you. Nobody else in the entire episode needed help getting from that chair to the vanity. Maybe he just didn't know what to say. Maybe <laughs> he's just filling time. <laughs> but he does that throughout. He does that throughout the run. Okay. Okay. We'll get to it. All right. So what's happening now? So Ray's made it to the vanity. Lindsay's on the ottoman, I think. She might still be on the vanity. And then Robbie, he's like, I'm just jumping on the bed. He gets on the bed, easy. He's chill as fuck. When it was such a problem for everybody else. (laughs) He's very tall. Yeah. Yeah, He makes his way off the bed onto the little, little coffee table. Going around the far left of the course. As he's like catching himself on the coffee table, again, the siphoning PA blows into the hose There's the explosion of lava in Robbie's face. Something really interesting here. I think this is the only time in this episode where he calls out that this is a show being produced. I noted that. You want to tell him what happened? Uh, He just goes, (laughs) really? Y'all got to do that for real? It knocked me down a little bit on the acting because, uh, you know, we should be we should be engaged. We should be in it. I'm surprised they kept that in the show. Yeah. Breaking fourth wall. He's a lone wolf. That's what lone wolves do. Okay, so Robbie is lone wolfing it around the left part of the course, but if he pulls the rope, that will help them out a lot. Ray is still on the armchair. Lindsay goes over to the vanity and knocks it down so that it's easier for Ray to land on because it just makes there like more surface area. Ray tells Robbie to go to the rope so they can see what happens. Robbie's doing this lone wolf thing. He gets to the trunk and then he goes to the chaise lounge. How do you pronounce it? So it's chaise long. Okay, I think Google's wrong again. Chaise longue. So he makes it to the chaise lounge and uh, makes a big hop. He gets some air. And Rutger Hauer goes, Robbie's not just a lone wolf. He's a lone kangaroo. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was fantastic. 
Rutledge Wood breaks out the puns when Ray's on the vanity, and the puns are going to stay pretty strong through the rest of the teacher's run. He says, Ray, confronting his own vanity. Oh, God. Also, Ray, on that, I know I'm backing it up here, but when he's on that short couch and he goes, did I tell you guys I'm scared of heights? And Rutledge, (laughs) Rutger Hour calls out. He's like, these things are two feet tall. The whole thing. Ray, come on, buddy. So... Ray asks Robbie if he can go to the rope, and Robbie does not react. He's, like, locked in. He jumps to a little crate that's near the rope, just totally bypassing the fireplace because he's tall. He leans over and unwinds the rope, and the chandelier falls down. Height is everything. It's the entire premise of the show. Robbie is tall. That's it. Chandelier's down. (laughs) Chandelier's down, and I think this brings me back to the blue humor because I noticed in this run Rutger Hauer doesn't make any blue jokes and I feel like it's in part because these teachers kids might be watching this so it's very safe but then when the chandelier falls Ray goes Robbie's nighttime job implying that Robbie it's a pole. might be a stripper seeing that it's a pole. Yes. Whoa, that went over my head. I, You know why? The subtitle said Robbie's nighttime talk, I think, because that's what I wrote down, and I wrote down, I don't get it. Now I get yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, he goes, Robbie's other nighttime job. Sure, sure. And then, like, they laugh or whatever. But what's funny about this? That Robbie needs a second job? I mean, I think... That it- teachers in the States are grossly underpaid? Uh, these are the people that are in control of the kids that are going to be the future of America. These are the people that are, uh, that are going to make them grounded, reasonable beings in a social aspect. Uh, you, crime, you know, is, is rooted in how these children not only see themselves, but how educated they are in the world that they're put into. And sure, there's a lot of other factors, and, and, and I don't, you know, maybe I shouldn't get into those. Maybe I will. Why are those in power afraid? of those beneath them being educated because they'll take their jobs, right? Isn't that the root of the concern is that somehow if we have educated kids that that feel safe and know like the history and all this stuff that, that somehow by they taking power, they're going to break down their version of Americana. I'll tell you what. You want to play a quick Norman game? Rockwell, famous illustrator of the Americana that we want to hold on to of the past one of the most common careers represented in his in his work is that of teachers because of the role they play. And yet they're underpaid. So really, Ray, you're going to make a joke that Robbie may or may not be a, a dancer. And is there shame in that? Shame on you. Okay, so, Jesus Christ. So the chandelier has dropped. Ray steps onto the chandelier. Instead of turning around to help his friend, Robbie just hops onto a chest and hops out to the exit and (laughs) decides he'll help his teammates from the exit, which in one sense is smart because the faster you go, you get rewarded for it if there's a tie. But they also might have been able to use him to help swing the pendulum or something. I'm not sure. But Robbie truly lone wolfs it. Yeah. He says several times, like, I'm just going to YOLO it, and then he'll hop away. You know, good on him to at least get a point for those guys. It ended up being with the, well, good on him for making a 
getting a point for those guys. You almost spoiled it. Are people supposed to be listening to this instead of watching the show? Is that our goal? Is that why we're not spoiling it, but we're spoiling it? <laughs> so I just assume they forgot what happened. I forget what happened two seconds. We pushed our recording by 30 minutes, and because of that, 99% of the show fell out of my brain. <laughs> Okay, so Ray and Lindsay are still on the course. Ray gets off the pendulum and gets onto the next box. And then Lindsay gets onto the pendulum. I don't understand how Ray couldn't really help her from there. She's like, kind of just forgets about the laws of physics. She tries to jump off a moving platform and it kind of just swings out from under her and she can't make it off the pendulum. And this is when Ray screams... No, my science partner! <laughs> that was funny. I think it's funny, too. I guarantee the context of that is my science partner does all the work, so now I'm going to fail the class. Oh, that's great. Yes. Yeah. Again, Ray, buddy, stand up on your own. Robbie's reaction to the death, he says, no, Lindsay, and it was okay. The fact that things are really slippery is, is quite annoying. Things get covered in lava in this episode. I don't think that happened as much last episode, or I just didn't notice it as much. Yeah, I think that lava was more active. Yeah. It was exploding more. And so we're almost at the end of their run. Um, Lindsay's died. Robbie's at the finish line. Ray needs to hop to the chest and then the exit. Robbie goes, Ray, you got to YOLO it, which is possibly the worst advice. Sure. So Robbie says he'll catch him at the exit. Ray says, oh man, I'm scared. I'm leaving you a window to talk shit about him right here. <laughs> oh, you uh, all out of shit? You all out of shit? <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for a shit talk moment right after this. This is what I have written down here. Ray says, oh man, I'm scared. He talked about his fear of heights earlier. I like Ray. How can you like Ray? <laughs> How can you like Ray? I like I like sad things. Here's the thing about Ray. So he finally yolos it. He makes it to the exit, and then he celebrates like he fucking earned it when yeah. he didn't. What do you mean he didn't earn it? He got there pretty much himself. This team kind of he was dead weight. Lindsay was trying to be a good teammate, and her two male counterparts pretty much just just yoloed it. <laughs> I think Lindsay and Robbie could have absolutely annihilated this in faster time without Ray's boo-boo. This show is teaching me in general, and I'm not surprised, but just reaffirming that um, women are better than men. Yeah. Also, in regard to their ending, Ray and Robbie, I felt bad for Lindsay, but Ray and Robbie struck like superhero poses or soccer team post goal. And I don't know. I liked it. <laughs> it's almost like a wrestler. But again, Robbie, good effort. Lindsay, good effort. The, the baby survived. Raise the baby. Let's rank this team. Well, first, I would say that their Rutger Hauer pick, uh, favorite Rutger Hauer movie, is probably Amelia Earhart, The Final Flight. All right, give me your actor right now so we can stay on top of that. My actor for this would be... Lupita Nyong'o. Okay, so for acting, I'm going to rate the teachers. Ray is the one who really gave his reaction to the death. No, my science partner. I got to give him points for writing, but for acting, maybe a five. First off, Ravi broke the fourth wall. Four. That's mm. enough said. 
Uh, but I enjoyed Ray's. What you didn't enjoy, I did enjoy. If it was playing it up for the camera, I enjoyed it. Him, I'm scared. I'm afraid of heights. Help me. I'm nervous. That added to the fun of the show to me. And because of those two factors, they cancel each other out. I stay at a five. But that's not acting. It is. It was genuine moments, and we know that's not acting because I felt like his acting later was bad. I think it was acting. Okay, you can have your opinion to each their own, but Ray will ask for some. <laughs> Lupita? You know what? She has a lot of fun in both the dramatic roles, like Us and 12 Years a Slave. She's very committed. You always believe Us is just her acting, whether or not the movie, whatever. I thought it was great. People dif- I haven't seen have it. differing opinions. I thought it was great. But her specifically, it's like, holy shit, these, this is two different people. She plays them both very well. Uh, I'm going to give her a, an 11 for acting. Teamwork. So my instinct is to go down for Robbie being a lone wolf, but at the end of the day, if I think about it, he didn't really harm them. He got across, he pulled the rope, he was giving them directions once he got across, and the two of them were all they needed to try to navigate the pendulum. I'm just going to go, I'm going to go with a solid eight. I'll agree with eight. I think with this team specifically, interesting dynamic that it doesn't necessarily mean you have to work together to make a good team. Mm-hmm. And I think that both Lindsay and Robbie fulfilled <laughs> that responsibility. Lupita? Lupita gets a seven. <laughs> I appreciate how short that was. For style, I do not like it. Um, red and pink kind of clash. Ray's got red socks, pink long sleeve shirt. Lindsay, pink tank top. Robbie, red t-shirt. It is offensive, I'm giving them a two. I'll give them a four. It's just matching enough and just off enough to be infuriating. See, that's that was my issue, and it was more of an issue for me with Alec and Chosen than it is with these guys. I thought it was just on enough for them, and I know style. <laughs> two of their shirts were solid. One was tie-dye. We need a style guest. I used to work with uh, Brad Gresky on a show. We can ask him. I can't ask him. <laughs> Lupita gets a nine. Killer. She's great. I mean, because even in Us, where she's playing two different characters, and I understand that the uh, evil one, in quotes, is it's part of like a uniform that they have, but she just wears it all so well. And then on top of that, to, to go to like the school teacher on a field trip thing and Little Monster, she's just great. Je ne sais quoi. I feel like... I kind of do know these characters and these teachers, so there's not a lot of, I don't know what, not a lot of intrigue to me with them. I'm just going with the three. Yeah, I would say the same. I think that if these were my teachers and I was like a little kid and they were on the game show, then I'd probably rank them differently. Like, oh yeah, I want to know what they're up to because they're my teachers. Not this time. I get it. I'm going to give them a two for Je ne sais quoi. Lupita gets a, God, 12? Height, Mia height, who's the best height? Maybe I could do a movie with Lupita Nyong'o instead of Paul Newman. To make it just re- realistically feasible based on the reality of life? Yeah. Based on what we know about physics and corporeal beings? So for height, I'm going to give the teachers, the, you know, they were tall enough for what they needed to do. They didn't get obstructed because of their height. I'm giving them an eight. Yeah, I didn't like their height. They get a three. What? Yeah. I thought Robbie served the team, but I feel like there's part of, I can't help but have the teamwork score 
weigh in on height because they didn't use what height they had to their advantage, whereas I do think the next group did. I, I, I recognize that. That's valid. I'm sticking with my eight. Three for height. Mia, that's smart. Mia, that, oh, Lupita. Give her an eight for height. <laughs> Could she play taller than her physical height? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. That's not what this is about. It's just in general... All right, tonight. Like it's better than average. Uh, oh, should we? Bre- oh, should we break down what the categories are about? If that's not what it's about, should we have a four-hour discussion <laughs> of how we interpret the categories? I think so. I think in this moment, uh, I take it back. I'm giving her an eleven. I do actually do like her height. Okay. She does a lot of a lot of different movies, and her height just goes a long way for all these different characters, um, <laughs> even in posture too, because I think she has completely different posture in. Us between the two characters. <laughs> I'm excited to see us. You're you're dropping some hints for me. Okay, Mia, that smart. I give them, you know, a point for getting the rope and getting the chandelier down. Robbie kind of loses them points for being such a lone wolf. Lindsay gains them points for her general attitude and teamwork, even crosses over to intelligence. She just seems like she's got it. Oh, they never use the bridge and seem to not recognize that it's there, and it actually could have helped them. So I give them, because of that, a seven. Interesting. I'll give them a six. Yeah, you like that bridge knowledge? Me just dropping that f- bomb right there? <laughs> uh, even a five. I take it back. I give them a five. Mia, are they having fun out there? Uh, I think Robbie was having a goddamn blast out there <laughs> just doing it himself. I think Lindsay, I, I think she was very upset that she died, but I think they were having a good time out there. She was having fun before she died. Ray seemed nervous, but was having a bomb, giving them an eight. Well, I think that so much is considered when choosing a role, so I'm giving Lupita a, an 11 for smarts. Okay. For are they having fun out there? Mew, are they having fun out there? Teachers get a uh, seven. They're having fun. All right. And uh, Lupita would have a fucking blast. 13. Yes. 13 Krakatoas for sure. Okay, four eyes. I'm looking at my picture and I see two out of three of them. Two out of six eyes are open. So I'm going to give them... One point more than the last team. Sevens across, just sevens for eyes. Very sweet eyes. I'm going to give them a nine for the teachers. All right. All right, all right. All right, all right. Nope. <laughs> Lupita gets an 11. Cool. You, you should see us. I love us. We're great together. Your brain, <laughs> oh, buddy. <laughs> Your brain will explode with plot holes, but it's fine. <laughs> Transitional stinger. Now let's get into the third team, the Little League Dads. Little League Dads. We got Andy. We got Mike. We got Scott. Mike Scott. Is that the office boss? Uh, Michael Scott, yeah. Uh, Okay. Andy, shorter, ripped, no beard. Mike, tall, skinny, weird facial hair, upside down Hitler mustache. Scott. Stocky, sweet, gray beard. That's how I describe them in my notes. Tiny ponytail. Wait, he, Scott had a ponytail? He did. It I was didn't the, see it at it all. It was the smallest little nubbin. <laughs> no, these guys, interesting, come out of the gate. I feel like Andy has really the gymnast body that I expected from Ian. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know if gymnasts are ever that ripped in their upper body. Sure. <laughs> I liked Mike. Mike Mike threw out. Uh, he was entertaining. We couldn't be on more of a different page throughout this episode. Mike is 100% my Alec. Really? Wait, Mike's the one who had the, like, Hitler soul patch? Yeah. <laughs> in general, I kind of just thought their testimonial was all over the place. And... At some point, they cut to just photos of them, and then their voiceover comes in that says, baseball, Chevrolet, and apple pie. It's the American way. And uh, I'm not <laughs> sure who said it. This is when they just lost me entirely. The, na- the nationalism. Yeah. And I don't know who said it because nobody was on screen for it, but I just imagine them doing like 100 takes of this after the fact, and that's the one they chose. Like, uh, let's try it again, guys. Uh, T-bone steaks, college football, and heart disease. It's the American way. <laughs> John Deere, Reagan, and the prison industrial complex. It's the American way. <laughs> Tattoos, Carhartt, and Fort Bragg, brother. It's the American way. <laughs> so, I, I hear you. I feel like at this point... I was exhausted with Alec. I was exhausted with Ray. And I might have been coming from a place of, I got I to gotta find someone likable out of this. And Mike Mike was the guy. I feel like Andy, each person had their strengths, except for Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I like that we had very different journeys through this episode. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Okay, so they get to the room. Yes. Initial reactions were fine. Andy triggered Andy out of the gate looks at the bed and says I need some encouragement I guess <laughs> my reaction to that was like god damn it we have another ray <laughs> <laughs> help me boo, boo, boo. somebody called Jamie Foxx because we got ray 2 in production there we go there it is thanks for saying there it is I'll take that as laughter <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. That's funny, Michael. So Andy is the first one to take action. Steps on the table, jumps on the bed. He pretends to be nervous. I guess that's how it comes off. He says, it's got to stop sometime, right? It's got to stop sometime. The, he's just waiting for the producers to stop the bed. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Mike's back there making his own choices, being proactive, being the good guy, being the hero. And he takes the curtain and he makes it to the walkway uh, above the black chairs. While Scott is barking at him. 90% of this race, Scott it just gets to a place <laughs> and he barks. Yeah. He goes from the entrance, he goes to the coffee table, he goes to the bed, he goes to the ottoman, he goes to the vanity for the second, back to the ottoman, back to the bed, then the lava. That's all he does. Mike, he's bouncing around. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I could describe Mike. Mike does a similar thing. What Scott did is bounce around. Mike bounces everywhere. But is that good or bad? <laughs> No, but Scott only does, he only does about six feet of travel, and then he turns around. From the moment that Andy jumps onto the bed, I don't know how, this man has a superpower of stopping all momentum. He does this throughout the whole thing. Upper body strength. He props himself up with his giant guns. He just, like, pauses. But it's every time he lands. He'll put his arms down. He is ripped, and it's not, like, a stocky. He's, like, just in shape, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so Andy is on the bed. He's spinning round and round. 
he's grasping onto one of the bedposts for dear life. This was one of my favorite moments of the episode. He's trying to step off the bed onto the ottoman, which is too narrow to jump onto. And so he's pawing his leg out like my sister is like feisty kitty who always paws my ankle. (laughs) And he is pawing his leg out like as it goes around, but... Oh, not this time! And he pulls his leg back, <laughs> and then and then he and then he walks over to it. But it, him pawing his leg out up there with one of my favorite moments of the episode. <laughs> but he eventually gets to the ottoman. Scott is still standing at the start, directing them. At this point, he says at one point, "I think you should go on that thing, buddy. <laughs> screw off! You know what that means? It means I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> with my life." I'm scared of being challenged, and I don't like being seen as weak. That's why I have a big bushy beard and this smallest fucking pony nubbin. (laughs) He's telling other people what to do because he doesn't believe in himself. And that's a problem as a player, as a father, as a... I don't know if they're coaching these little league teams... Despite everything Andrew just said, Scott actually does help his friends, tells them to knock over the vanity. They follow his directions, so he's totally just helping his team. Everything just the opposite of what Andrew said. (laughs) Andy steps onto the vanity. He tips over the mirror. A bunch of lava bubbles up onto Mike, and he goes, what the heck, man? This lava's crazy. And I really appreciated his acting. I like that, too. It made me wonder, could he be Mormon? First off, saying heck, you know, whatever. Obviously, there's not a lot of cursing in this show. But it all kind of fell into place when he said the heck that one time because having gone to school in Utah, I knew people that like were practicing Mormons that, you know, were able to express themselves through safe looks. And I feel like that might be playing partially into why Mike has the dippity doo doo wop hair rockabilly thing and that cruddy soul patch. But it just made me wonder, still likable. And even I would go as far as to say, if I was friends with Mike, I'd be like, oh, you'd be a good godparent if I were to ever have kids. If I was friends with Mike, I would wax that Hitler patch off his face in the middle of the night. Oh, interesting. He just, his energy this whole time, there was even one moment that he was very specifically the crowd at a Little League game. When Scott finally jumps on the bed, because I guess he has, he can't stand on the entrance forever. Mike goes... That's it, Scott. Nice job. Nice move, baby. Nice move. Oh, I remember this. And he added like a little clap. It was the most Little League yeah, thing. Absolutely. I He was playing into the whole fact that they are Little League dads. And I think he was actually playing into it and doing a bit. And You thought it was a bit? I think he was playing the game of we're Little League dads. And he was pretending that his partner and his peer was a child and he was rooting him on in Little League. I think he was kind of doing it as a joke. It felt to me like muscle memory. Like, that's how he cheers for people. Yeah, I didn't find it insincere. I just thought he was, like, both doing a bit and cheering his buddy on. Like, at bo- both at the same time. Do you think the soul patch is a bit? A bit terrible. Okay, so Scott has finally jumped into action. They're all kind of congregating in the same place on the course, and they're not sure what to do. They get to the vanity, but they see that you can't get beyond the vanity because the chandelier hasn't been lowered yet, and they don't immediately talk about the rope and how we need to pull the rope to lower it, which, if we're keeping score, it's a point in the I think the show might be real. To Andy's spastic credit, 
when he sees the plate and the cup, he's like, oh, these wouldn't be here unless they were a tool for us to use. One of my favorite parts of the episode. And he throws them at the chandelier and misses. (laughs) This whole run was making me feel like the show is kind of real because they said, they told us we could do anything and then they started throwing the plates at the chandelier. Like that would lower (laughs) it, which I really loved. Of course it's not going to lower it, but I would have done the same thing. Throw the, when do you have a chance to just be reckless like that? Yes, throw them. I, of course you can't do this, but this is what I want every team to do. Rip the bedpost off. You use it to vault across to the finish line. Like that would be a super cool show. Rip things apart. Right. Grab the tapestry and tie two bedposts together. And obviously they tell them, like, don't destroy the course, please. But it would be so cool if they could and they just had to rebuild it. (laughs) Yeah. One moment that I thought I didn't necessarily care for. When Mike goes onto the vanity to get further, doodle wet rug is Rucker Hauer is really selling the suspense. And then when it's not much... He goes, okay, maybe I oversold that. I get that that is a joke, but I didn't like Rutger Hauer being so self-aware and stifling making those choices. And I'm going to do a complete disagree. (laughs) Interesting. Go ahead. I just liked an interesting part about this game that makes me think it's kind of well-designed is that the combination of the slipperiness with the water and lava splashing on things and the distance between things being not too far but not too close means, like, you're never quite sure how hard it is or if somebody is going to slip and eat it or if it turns out just to be a little hop over to something. So I just took that moment as honesty, and I appreciate honesty. And I felt like he thought it might be a big deal, and then it wasn't. And that's that was in tune with... My emotions. Yeah, I also really like that moment because I felt like the show is almost building itself. Like, it's a little raw the way our podcast is. Like, you know, I think that uh, I appreciate, I can't speak for the fans, but I appreciate that we're building this as we're doing it. And I think that Rutger Hauer saying that maybe I oversold that is also a little bit them building it while they're doing it. So it made me feel like, oh, okay, so maybe this is like, a supplemental piece. I, I really enjoyed it. Did I just, can, did I change your mind about something? No, no, no. That's how I always felt. Gaslighting. So Mike, who is the one who went across the drapes is now going across the bed to the other side. He's like, if nobody else is going to be useful, I'm just going to do all of this myself. He goes to the bed. He goes to the trunk that where everybody gets hit with the lava. Ooh, he got it good. He was leaning over and just got, Hit of the gut. It was great. Yeah, the lava was dripping off of his face. <laughs> so he needs to go to the rope. That's the whole point to go that direction. Then he makes a wild decision to not go that direction. And I wrote in my notes, intelligence down to zero. <laughs> he thinks it's basically best to just hop through the other route to the chaise long and to the exit, kind of yellowing it, lone wolfing it. And they all follow him down this path now because they didn't lower the chandelier. Everybody just follows him down this path. Yeah. At one point, Scott sends Andy back that way and the way that Mike took. And then he goes, I'll follow. Of course you will, Scott. Of course you will. Not making any decision or headway on your own. 
Absolutely. And Andy does go to follow. Scott got as far in the course as his ponytail got to his neck. <laughs> um, That's a Scott burn. <laughs> speaking of a Scott burn, at this point, a little bit of lava hits his arm and he goes, ouch. And he brushes it off. Oh, yeah. It was very soft. I actually enjoyed that. I did, too. I'm getting a it. point. It was amusing. <laughs> um, Mike is right at the exit, hopping to the trunk. I- incredible moment. He lands, but his momentum just tips him over. He dies here. It's very funny. He kind of lone wolfs it, so it was really satisfying schadenfreude. Is that how you say that? To just see him eat it. Sure, Google will tell me different. It was- I'm sure Google will tell me how to say schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. But this death was one of my favorite deaths of the first two episodes. It was so satisfying. I was so happy to see him go. But it was also, it hurt a little bit. Now, Scott tells Andy to go to the rope so we can get over the chandelier. With Mike out of the way, Scott and Andy, now we're like, okay, now let's try to do this like a team of sensible adults. Hard disagree. (laughs) Andy gets off the bed to the small table, going to the rope. Jumping from there to the trunk is where the lava explodes every single time throughout the episode. And he had seen his friend get hit with the lava a second ago. So he tries to juke out the lava. One of the best parts of the episode, Dear Woodglatt comments on it. He jukes it. He, he, he just shakes his body forward. And I really loved it. Okay, I watched the replay. I don't agree with that at all. I think it was a coffee table teeter. <laughs> and I think that it was accidental that he moved forward and then caught himself. Oh, 100% no. You couldn't be more wrong about this. Oh, I'll take Do you okay. believe everything that Doodle Wet Rug says? He said it was a juke and you just believe him blindly. If Doodle Wet Rug was on a painting of a bridge, would you jump off it too? <laughs> <laughs> I laughed at the juke before Rutledge, um, before Dear Woodglut ever commented on it. I laughed at it too. I don't think it was a juke. I think it was just human error. So Mike ends up getting onto the chest. Then he goes to the chaise longue instead of the rope. I just do not understand what they were thinking. This is, I mean, they're getting a one in intelligence. I'm just telling you right now. Scott tells Andy to use the bridge, but he immediately drops it in the lava. Now that it looks like they're never going to lower the chandelier, Scott goes to the bed and he dies trying to get off the bed. He tries to step on the little table and kind of out of nowhere, it was, it was a poor attempt to get off the bed and he just eats it right on the table. It was out my balls. It was out my balls. I think the ponytail was weighing him down. <laughs> so because they couldn't finish with more than two points, their run immediately ends and the teachers win. We cut to them backstage. These guys are so happy not to face their insane eighth grade students who would razz them to death, I assume. It was nice to see Lindsay. She seemed really happy that they won. Yeah. And because she died, you know, I just give her points for that kind of teamwork spirit. Sure. I will say Ray, again, celebrating when he didn't deserve it. He said, we are the lava. <laughs> yep. Let's go. <laughs> kind of just insane manic energy. <laughs> and then maybe my favorite moment of the episode, they all high five Rutledge Wood, Dear Woodglut, going out. And Robbie says, can I give you a hug? And, <laughs> and Rutledge goes, come on, let's go. <laughs> Oh, I missed that. That's great. And then they hug, and maybe the best moment of Flora's Lava so far. So the winners are the teachers. Yay! I will say this. The Little League Dads, favorite Rutger Hauer movie, I would assume it's the Merlin TV series. Yep. 
Okay, we got to rank the Little League dads really quickly. For acting, I'm giving them... Uh, there was poor acting. I, I have very mediocre reactions written throughout. I'm giving them a six. Yeah, five. I can't give them more than five. It just wasn't there. For teamwork, they were all over the place. Some were lone wolfing it. They weren't helping each other that much. They didn't devise any sort of strategy. They were running wild. I think you're blowing past a really important part here, Michael. Oh, God. I think Charlie's there, and she just, again... Strong acting chops, spans the spectrum. I would think that Charlize Theron, Charlize Theron? I'm not sure. I think it's um, just universally unknown. Charlize Thermometer. 11, Krakatoas on acting. For teamwork, I'm giving them a five. <laughs> I'll give them a seven. For style, I'm looking at uh, an image of them right now. I'm giving them a two. It was bad, and there was no coordination. Nothing about them bothered me. I'm going to give them a six for style. You're wrong, brother. <laughs> Charlize Theron, uh, I'm going to give her a nine on teamwork. Je ne sais quoi. Charlize Theron gets a 10 for style. Okay, now je ne sais quoi about the Little League dads. Uh, it's not... Great. I could be wrong about, you know, je ne sais quoi. It's what I don't know. So I recognize that I may be wrong, but what I don't know, what I think I don't know is, um, is a three. It's a three. Je ne sais quoi should apply to, if it's not an individual, it's something united. I didn't feel like there was any real cohesion about, except that these guys lived in the same zip code, I guess. Yeah, they live on the same block that they're friends by location. Yeah, one. Wow. One for je ne sais quoi. Charlize. Charlize, oh, 12 for je ne sais quoi, Krakatoas? Okay, now height. I'm going to give them a, a seven. I didn't like their height. They get a five. Charlize. Charlize Theron gets an 11 for height. That smarts. I'm marking them very low. I noted many times that they weren't using their heads. One. I, I realize whoever's the third team that we rank gets lower <laughs> scores from me. Uh, yeah, for smarts, uh, these little league dads, they they didn't show anything really. I'm going to give them a four. I wasn't impressed. Uh, Shirley's Theron, fantastic. Gets an 11, crack toes. Mia, are they having fun out there? I don't love these guys, and so it pains me to say it, but they're having fun out there. I'm giving them a nine. I think that Andy and Mike were having fun out there. Scott was their driver. Oh, you're you're very right. Scott was not having fun. Scott was waiting for them to finish, and I'm going to give him a two. Scott heard him. Charlize Theron, 13, Krakatoas. She would love it. She would have a blast. I bet she would, like, rally the camera operators to get in, and it would make for a very interesting show. For sure. <laughs> eyes. In my image of them, I can't see anybody's eyes. I'm giving them a six because they all... I don't know what to do for this category. <laughs> for eyes, I'm giving them a six. Mike's eyes were fine. Uh, four. Four for the lot. Shirley's Theron. Uh, come on, what do you expect? 13 Krakatoas, of course. And that concludes our rankings of the teams. Now we're going to give out some individual awards. Let's get straight to it. Transitional steam. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who gets the individual award for best 
death. <laughs> I think I have my vote. You go. My best death is definitely Mike from the Little League Dads because him just like lone wolfing it and then dying before the exit when his momentum took him over, it was just the most amusing. You know, it was my favorite death. It was the best death. Well, you can't spell amusing without me, so I'll also go with Mike. <laughs> okay. Although Alec fucking eating it right after, God, that was funny. What a dumb way to go to think that you can lean your leg out in one direction and then reach back in the other, you idiot, you dumb f- I follow the law because I love the cops and our government and, you know, any forms of authority. <laughs> but if the purge was real, I would go straight to that <laughs> house and <laughs> So we both chose Mike for best death. Moving on to best reaction to death. You know, it's tough. I got to just go with my instinct and that it's Ray yelling my science partner only because not, not a lot else stood out to me. For me, it's Alec. Responding to Josen. I thought that that was a great moment that they edited for time and then they put it in the next one. It was really, it was powerful, man. Yeah, I I didn't see that, so I can't choose it, but I believe you. Sure. Moving on to best line. I think for best line, what stood out for me, uh, even though I have reason to criticize it, was Robbie saying, really, y'all got to do that for real (laughs) when he got splashed with the lava. All right, so you're going with Robbie. I don't have the exact quote written down, but I'm going to go with when they said, they told us we could do anything, and they start throwing the the plates at the chandelier. (laughs) That's funny. And that team was the Little League Dads. Yeah. I will say a close second for me would be, that's it, Scott. Nice job. Nice move, baby. Nice move. Yes, that's great. (laughs) But I'm I'm, I'm sticking to Robbie's. On to worst line. I think you know mine. Remind me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hang on let me think let me think about this for a second worst line for me is either the comment about robbie's other nighttime job or whatever that oh, was yes or god is it it's got to stop sometime is that best or worst line <laughs> what what line is that andy on the bed it's got to stop sometime <laughs> oh i i kind of like it i kind of I, I like that moment yeah my worst line, and it comes from a testimonial, is we're vintage, we're old school, and that's just how we operate. So that's uh, five points off for the Little League dads. All right, I like that. I'm going to go with the Ray line saying, uh, commenting about the poll. All right, that's good. And <laughs> now, person you'd most want to have a beer with. Okay, crossing off Mike because I don't think he drinks. I'm going to say it's between Robbie and Josen for me. I think I'm Robbie. Robbie's my Robbie's mine. I'm in a spicy mood. Robbie seems like the night might get out of control. He'd take you somewhere crazy, and then he'd, right? he'd leave you the second. <laughs> and for some reason, I'm in the mood for that right now. I'm going to go Robbie, too. Yeah, Robbie. Je ne sais pas for an individual. Pas or quoi? <laughs> Je ne sais quoi for an individual. I think... Lindsay gets my vote for Je ne sais quoi. It almost seems like an obvious choice, but I'm choosing Scott because he was quiet and he had this mystery factor. And so I don't know what, but there's something there. Maybe he is deeper than just an old school vintage dad. And, um, And so I'm choosing him. All right, so those are all the individual awards. Let's tally it up right now and see who's the winner of our 
fucking episode. Oh, here we go. Tall and thin and young and lovely, the girl from me beneath. Okay, it was a squeaker with the individual awards that pushed the teachers over the top, and they take it with 115 points. Whoa, really? Yeah, none of the buildup like last really? week. Really? <laughs> where I well, say the runner-up like I should have. <laughs> really? Wait, so that means that both episodes... The show's winners were the podcast winners. The show's doing a great job evaluating these players, as are we. In second place was ninety with 97 points was the tennis trio, and then in third place with 95. It was all very close were the Little huh. League dads. The Little League dads didn't do well in the main categories, but made a push in the individual awards. Oh, interesting. So that's going to do it for the heart of the podcast. Uh, what do we have left to do, Andrew? We talk a big game, buddy. I think it's time for Put Up or Shut Up. That's right. It's time for our final segment, Put Up or Shut Up, where Andrew and I test ourselves at our own Floors Lava obstacle course after talking so much smack about all these people. <laughs> all right, so what's our location today, Andrew? You're, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. Let's uh, look behind this door and find... A hoarder's apartment. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Uh. Wow, okay. Oh, shit. I guess it's time to play Floor, Floor is Lava. lava. <laughs> All right. Cool. This is good. This is good. There's a lot to work with here. There's a lot to bounce okay, around I'm gonna on. Okay, I'm going to climb this stack of newspapers and try to get a good vantage point of it. See what, see what we can do here. <sighs> Okay, I'll, I'll go. I'll go the other route. Um, how you how you doing up there? How's the, how, you see uh, I'm making my way. Okay, I'm up here. I see seventy five cats. Up up there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess I'll go the other route. God, I'm hesitant to do it, but I'm going to go in this uh, swiveling armchair. Okay, be careful. Be careful. It doesn't look stable. Yeah. Okay, it's. I don't look stable. <laughs> Uh, all right, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna go for it, Michael. Ooh! <laughs> Holy shit! My foot dipped in the lava. Oh my god, are you okay? Yeah, no, I'm getting dizzy quick though. Uh, I'm gonna extend it. I'm gonna extend it. I'm launching the leg part. I'm gonna pull the lever. Okay. You think it'll have enough force to launch you across to the TV stand? <laughs> I yes, but I'm worried about landing on that antenna. I'll tell you that much. Okay, I'm gonna try it. <laughs> Whoa! You landed on all those VHS tapes of dinosaurs, the sitcom. All right, I think I'm okay. Um, Toss me one of those dinosaur tapes, um, and I'm going to unspool the tape and then use it as a rope to to swing to you. Oh, smart. I'll hold on to one end, and then you hold on to the rest. Yeah. All right, here we go. Hang on. Let me break it, and let me pull a little bit out. I'm going to nod it in my hand, and I'm sending it to you. Ready? All right. Got it. Nice. Hell yeah, Michael. I'm going to tie it to this dead plant that's hanging from the ceiling. Smart. If you toss the plant into the ceiling fan, it'll get wrapped up, and then you can ride it out. (laughs) That doesn't make sense. Okay, I'm gonna tie the I'm gonna tie the VHS tape to this hook. Let me just toss this old plant out of the way first. Okay. <laughs> now I'm gonna tie this to the hook and I'm gonna zip line down. Oh, perfect. I'm gonna hold the newspapers and put it above the string and swing down to you. Here we go. Whee! Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. 
Wow, okay. Buddy. Okay. okay. It is precarious that we are both on this TV stand now. All right, how do we get to the kitchen, which is the exit? Ooh, I also see jars of urine. What can we do with these? I'm going to, hmm, let's just ignore the jars of urine. Michael, look, there's a birdcage swinging right there. Why don't we just jump onto that and then swing ourselves into the kitchen? I think we can make it. What do you think? There's too many dead birds. I think there's just enough, buddy. You're right. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go first this time. Ready? Yep. Are my fingers too fat to make it through the cage? Probably. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Hey. Here we go. True, I'm, I'm true friends stab you in the front. <laughs> <laughs> true. All right, fuck. One, two, three. <gasps> oh, no! I fell into the lava and I took the birdcage with me. No! Oh my god, that bird's alive. <laughs> okay, it's just me. My god! What the fuck? What the fuck? Oh, oh wait, the one live bird seems to be tempting me. To ride on its shoulders to victory. I'm going to I'm gonna hop on this bird's wings and fly and fly. Alright, here we go. No no, I'm bringing us both down. Oh no. Live bird, live. Releases bird. Oh, oh man, man, it is hard. I, We're 0 for 2. It is really hard. We're 0 for I, 4. I, I, I apologize, Michael, for leaving you hanging out there. <laughs> I really thought I could I thought I could make the birdcage happen. <laughs> it's all right, man. I forgive you. All right, that's going to do it for another <laughs> episode. I don't even want to tell you guys how long the recording is, but it was a pleasure to do this with you again, Andrew. Um, it was a pleasure to do it with you, buddy. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I have anything to plug. My old band, Arpline, is putting out a bunch of material. Oh, hell yeah. That's A-R-P-L-I-N-E. You can go to our lead singer's SoundCloud, Sam C. Tyndall, S-A-M-C-T-Y-N-D-A-L-L, to hear a bunch of cool music. That's it. Fantastic. Thank you guys for listening. Bye.